0: All right, well, good morning. Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad that we have people like that that are gifted at singing and and praising the Lord and really helping us to align our hearts with where God would have us be this morning. So I am grateful for people like that that can sing well and desire to use that skill to glorify God. This morning. have to be honest with you, my sermon this morning, Nathan sent me a text message and he said, hey, Phil, what's the title of your sermon? I almost messaged him back and said, the ramblings of a crazy mind. (laughs) But on the YouTube link, that would have looked awkward, and so we changed it to Practical Hope. This morning's message is really... A, a compilation, I guess you could say, of my thoughts and my studies and where God has taken Sarah and I over the last four or five months. The last four or five months have been uh, confusing. They have been times of fear. They have been times of frustration. They have been times of doubt. Uh, the work environment that I've been in for the last 10, 11 years with, with Michael uh, shifted dramatically, and, and when we moved back to Australia, we were placed into an environment where it was relatively toxic, and Michael is still there, and I pray for Michael all the time, but uh, probably four or five months ago, there was this point in my heart where I I, I realized I needed to I needed to change, something needed to be different. Either God had to change something with the environment or change something in my heart to where I could be a blessing, where I could talk about the gospel, where I could change my perspective, something, something had to change. And so Sarah and I started the process of praying through God, what is it that you want to do? What do you want us to do? Where is it that you're taking us? What is it that we, we need to be doing to, to better glorify you and to, to live lives that we're not just soaking in this environment that's toxic and, and it's impacting my, my attitude, but God, what is it you want me to do? Started praying about changing companies and started praying about different things and moving different places and and other people were praying at the same time and at one point I, I shared with our our deacons group with the pastoral group that hey can you can you just be praying for me I'm not sure where god is leading us but I feel strongly that that god is leading us somewhere else I spent time with brother Michael and Michael and I prayed on a number of occasions and it's a huge blessing to work with someone in a secular environment that believes what you believe and that is there to encourage you and and to strengthen you. And and Michael and I caught up a number of times. Long story short, pastor came to me uh, probably two months ago, maybe two months ago. He'd spoken to us as deacons and he said, hey, can you just be praying? We're looking at putting a, a, another pastoral role into the mix, and can you just be praying about that? I went home and I prayed about it. Lord, please provide somebody to do that. Please start working on somebody's heart. Please, you know, open that person's eyes. All of these things, prepare that person. At no point in that conversation did I think, God, can you make that me? It had a number of job interviews and different things that were going on and there were opportunities. And when Sarah and I were moving from P&G back to Australia, we felt strongly that, the, that God was bringing us back to Good Shepherd, not to Brisbane, but back to Good Shepherd. And so as these other job opportunities are coming up, there's jobs in Darwin and there were jobs overseas and there were all these other job opportunities, all of them, there was this continual theme of somewhere other than Brisbane, and so we're praying through, what, what do we do, and where are we going, and how is this working? And then pastor says to me, hey, can we catch up for a coffee? I said, yeah, let's do that. On the Monday night, he says, hey, I'm sick, let's, let's postpone the coffee. So I had a job interview instead of having coffee with pastor, and I sat down and, and you know, it was a fantastic opportunity, and there were so many things within it that would have been great for our family. The, the financial side of it was massive. It was, it was fantastic. It was, it was sort of one of those dream jobs that I hadn't even considered. But I had this interview, and then it was as if I got to the end of it, and, and the guy said, so what do you think? But I had no peace. This wasn't right went home, spoke to Sarah, talked about it a bit, and the next day I went to have the interview with Pastor, and and we sit down, and he says, so tell me, how's this job search going? So I talked through all of those things. Surely in the back of his mind, he's going, I hope I, you know. We get to a point, and we're sitting at McDonald's over there, and he goes, well, I've been praying, and a couple of the men and I have had a chat. How do you feel about taking on a pastoral role, the one that we talked about? And I'll be honest with you, my immediate reaction was, I feel like throwing up. I'm like, did you really just ask me that? I've been praying that you'd provide somebody, God. But surely it's maybe it's Tim. <laughs> maybe maybe it's somebody else. Any pastor said that to me, and, and we talked for a bit about that, and I went home, and all the way home, I'm like, I'm going to have to pull over, because I feel like throwing up. We got home, I sat down with Sarah, and she said, so how did that, uh, how'd that coffee go, that decaf coffee, because I can't drink coffee at night, because it keeps me awake. How'd that decaf coffee go? And I said, maybe you should sit down. <laughs> so we sat down, and we talked about it. Sarah and I have been married for Nearly 25 years. Next weekend is 25 years. I've talked to Sarah several times over that 25 years of let's go into ministry. And every time, it hasn't been right. And so there was some fear as I came into this conversation that maybe it's not right again. Maybe, maybe something's wrong. And then we sat down and, and Sarah's far wiser than I am. And we sat down and she said, I think it's right. Let's pray about it and let's do it. So we spent the next two weeks just praying and praying and praying and praying. God, is, God, is this right? And God, if it's not right, please show us because we're going to start walking in this direction. And we made the decision that that was where God was leading us and we began to progress down that path. But the, the friction, the, the contention started really after we made that decision. The friction at work escalated beyond what what I could deal with at that point. And and again, I continued to come back to the the other men and just ask for prayer and for wisdom and, and how do we deal with these different things. And it got to the point of about three weeks ago where they fired me. And they said, we can't meet somewhere in the middle. I'd already made that decision and they'd made me redundant. And it was as if God said, hey... Let's get going. Let's take that step. So my notes this morning, and that's a fairly big segue to bring us back to where we're at. My notes this morning are really where God has taken me across that time period. We're going to look at three different passages in Psalms that, and we see three different points where David was, was in a time of trouble, a time of, of trial, a time of hardship in his life, And we're going to see what it is that he did, where his heart went to, how did he deal biblically, in a godly manner, with those trials and troubles. So let's do that this morning. Let's go to prayer and then let's open our Bibles. Heavenly Father, again, we're grateful that we can come together and we can spend time in your Word, and Father, we can encourage each other, we can... We can draw each other to the cross and whether it's through song or whether it's through prayer or whether it's through our giving, Father, we are here to worship you. So, Father, my prayer this morning is exactly that, that as I preach your word, as the message for your people goes forward, Father, I pray that this would be worshipful to you. as Father, you are good beyond our understanding, beyond our recognition, and you deserve all the glory. In your name, amen. When Sarah and I were young, and we are not as old as Dave, just to put things in perspective, when Sarah and I were young, even before we got married, we enjoyed rock climbing. There's a few people in here, you guys go bouldering and and rock climbing, you do that sort of thing. We used to go rock climbing and really that's how we got to know each other. The goal of rock climbing is to get from the bottom of a cliff to the top, that's it, simple. There's no sort of midway goal of starting something or building a castle or anything else, just get from the bottom to the top, that's it. And when you are climbing, you have the climber, you have the belayer, you have a rope that goes between those two, and it's anchored to something that is solid. The belayer's job is to ensure that if the climber falls, the belayer locks off the rope and catches the climber the key to successfully climbing from the bottom to the top is to pick the right path, to pick the the right route to get there, right? To to pick the right handholds and footholds to get you there. That's that's the key to successfully climbing. Those handholds enable you to get to the top. They get to the goal. Often, though, as you get into the climb, you begin to fatigue. For those of you who have climbed, you know that your forearms blow up really quick because you're not using... The big muscles you're supposed to use, you use in your forearms. Your forearms blow up and you begin to fatigue. What happens when you fatigue? Your vision comes in and you get tunnel vision, you get singular focus, you get myopic, you get to the point of where I can only see just what's around me because I'm so fatigued, I'm not sure what to do next. A good belayer... Who's standing at the bottom and is watching you and can see the entire wall? His job, her job, that belayer's job is to go, hey, have a look, have a look just a little bit to your left. Reach a little bit to your left and you'll find a handhold there. Grab hold of that. Hey, hey, off to the right of your your right leg, there's a crag there. Jam your foot into that crag and leverage off that. A good belayer will continually do that for a climber. Sometimes, as believers, we need someone to point out the handhold. Maybe this morning we can get somebody to do that. Maybe this morning we'd be willing to listen to somebody say, hey, you need to move your hand a little bit to the right. Unless you've been living under a rock. The world that we've gone to Fiji and you've just not had news for two weeks... The world that we live in has been increasingly filled with frustration, with confusion, and in many cases, fear. And while I don't want to focus on politics or corruption or, or the geopolitical events that we see happening in the world around us, I do realize and I recognize that for, to varying levels, those things impact all of us. But this morning, I want to keep it simple. I want to keep it practical. In the passage we read in our scripture reading, we see David in a time of trouble in his life. This morning, we're going to look at three different passages from different events in David's lives, and we're going to draw some practical helps for hope in times of trouble. We're going to let David point out the next handhold. We're going to let David help us climb that cliff. If you've got your Bibles there, go ahead and open up to Psalm 59. Uh, Many of you will already be there. If you're not there, go ahead and go to Psalm 59. Come all the way down to verse 16 with me. Bottom of that passage, Psalm 59 verse 16 says, But I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble, unto thee, O my strength, will I sing, for God is my defense and the God of my mercy. My first point this morning, if you're taking notes, is my hope in times of trouble comes not from my own abilities, but from recognizing and proclaiming the power and the grace of God. My hope in times of trouble comes not from my own abilities, but from recognizing and proclaiming the power and the grace of God. There's a few practical truths within our text that we read that lead to hope that we can draw from. The first We see there it says, but I will sing of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. And again, I want to be practical here this morning. So what does David do? He recognizes his own weakness and he sings of the power of God. That's where David's heart goes. That's where his mind goes. But let's get a little bit more. Let's get more practical than that. Let's break this down. I want you to see the who, the what, the when, and the how. Let's look at the who first. He says, if you look at those verses, he says, thy power, thy mercy. Thy power, thy mercy. Now, we, myself, we are so quick to go to a different who, aren't we? We're so quick to look at ourselves. We're so quick to point the finger at someone else. We're so quick to look for a different who. But the who in our times of trouble, the who in our times of need, the who when we are struggling and when we are under pressure and under the weight, the who has to be God. Let's add a little bit of context to what David is saying here. It can be linked back to Samuel chapter 18 and to chapter 19. And David is being pursued by King Saul in verse 10 of chapter 19. It says, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with a javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. So also sent messengers under David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And David's wife says, if you don't flee, you're going to die in the morning. That's the situation. That's a, the, the sort of context of where we get this psalm from. David's in self-preservation mode. But I want you to look back even more verses. Look at chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. We'll start in verse 5 there. Just to add a little bit more context. And David went out whitherso Paul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of the war and he was accepted in the sight of the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with timbrets, with joy, with instruments of music, and the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. But let's add a little bit more context again. 19 verse 8 says, and there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter and they fled from him. David has done Everything right, but Saul wants to kill him. David has the heart of the people; he has the might and the trust of the army. But here he is fleeing for his life. What does he do? He recognizes. That the power that is needed, the power that he must rely on, is not his own. It's not found in the armies that he's just fought with, and nor is it found in the people that are praising him. But in God. It would have been easy for him to mount an insurrection... It would have been easy for him to gather the army and the people on his side. He would have had supporters, but that's not where he goes. He finds his hope in God. The who in our time of need must be God. It has to be God. So that brings us to the what, the when, and the how. Notice that it is the power of God and the grace of God that David sings about. He sings about the power and the grace of God. doesn't only recognize that he's inadequate. It's not just, woe is me. He recognizes that God is more than adequate. What in our time of need must be that God's power and God's grace are enough? And sometimes it's hard for us to see that. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me the power of Christ may rest on me let's look at the when and the how he says but I will sing of thy power yea, I'll sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning how does he do it the how in our time of need is to be vocal about the power and the grace of God. I think you can see it here. David sings of God's power. It's not just quietly. I think sometimes we we mumble praise to God. I think sometimes we hear a song on the radio and the words go through our heads, but there's too many other things tumbling through my mind to actually recognize what the words are saying and to glorify God in that. David sings aloud. He praises God aloud. He recognizes the power of God aloud. Have you ever noticed that when soldiers march, they call the cadences out, out loud? Why? Well, for one, it's to keep them in step, but for two, it's to give confidence to the whole body, to the whole group, that they're working together to achieve one thing. Sporting teams... You ever notice that when a sporting team is, is getting ready to play, they get themselves all excited and they get themselves fired up by singing chants and by shouting together and by doing all sorts of things out loud. You don't see on, what do they call that, state, state of origin, you don't see the Queensland team sitting in the, in the, the room there quietly contemplating, how's this game going to go? You don't see it. They're getting fired up, they're getting riled up, they're getting warmed up, they're getting ready. They're vocalizing what they're feeling. There is a confidence and a strength that is drawn when we verbalize something. When I sing God's praises out loud, when I sing of the power of God, when I cry out loud in glorification to God, my hope is strengthened. When I talk to others about the power of God, about God's mercy when I don't deserve it, it gives me hope. The when? Start your day off by affirming the power of God in your life and then continue to do it throughout your day. When does David do this? We see it there. He says, I will sing out loud of thy mercy in the morning. How do you start your day? How often do you wake up and you roll over and grab your phone... And you quickly check social media. Did I get a like on that, that post that I put out last night? How often do you get up and, and sort of check your phone or, or turn on the television or whatever it is, and that's your sort of first process. That's the thing you do. That's what I need to do. I need to, I need to check my phone. I didn't hear it ding through the night because I put it on silent, but, but I need to check it. You're setting yourself up for failure. Where's the first place that your heart goes when you wake up? Because if it goes to glorifying God, if it goes to, I'm going to sing of the grace and I'm going to sing of the power and I'm going to sing of the mercy of God, you're starting your day off with a firm foundation, with a strong foundation. David says, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. Second point for you this morning, my hope in times of trouble comes not from my own will, but from following the will of God. My hope in times of trouble comes not from my own will, but from following the will of God. Psalm 143, go ahead and turn there with me. We'll look at another point in David's life. Psalm 143, verses 10 through 11. We see here he says, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. Here again, In Psalm 143, we see David overwhelmed by the circumstances of his life. And again, we can draw some practical truths that give us hope in times of trouble. The first one I see here is that in my time of need, I look for what God is teaching me instead of looking at how difficult my situation is. Look at David's perspective. He says, teach me, lead me, quicken me teach me, lead me, quicken me. I don't know about you, but when I am under the pump, when I am in trouble, when things are are just falling apart or they appear to me to be falling apart around me, the last thing I want is for someone to teach me. Yeah? Just leave me alone. I need to knuckle down and figure this out. But what's David say? He says, teach me, lead me, quicken me while I'm in this point of trouble. Teach me, God. Look at the first practical truth here. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Despite the trouble around me, God is still God, and his will for my life has not changed because of my circumstances. God is still God, and his will for my life, for your life, has not changed. Changed because of my circumstances. God teach me to do thy will. Look at the next couple of of words there. Thy spirit is good. In Jeremiah 29:11, it says, For we know, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Where's my focus? when trouble is raging around me? Where's my focus when I'm under the pump? Is my focus to turn to God and to go, God, teach me through this. God, show me how to learn in this. God, show me what it is that you would have for me in this. Or is my, my immediate response to just shell up and hope that this is going to work out and I'm going to worry my way through this. I'm going, to, I'm going to work my way through this. I'm going to hopefully get through this somewhat intact. But I'm not looking for the lessons. I'm not looking for what God's going to teach me in this. In my time of need, while all that around me is troubled, I trust that in Christ I can find a place of comfort and safety. David says, lead me into the land of uprightness, a level place, a figurative place of comfort and of safety and of prosperity. In, in Psalm 27, 11, he says, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the path, the plain path, because of my enemies. David's saying, quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. God, I know that all of this is happening around me. And God, I want you to teach me in this. And God, I want you to to lead me in this. And God, I want you to be seen in this. I want your righteousness to be seen in this. I want you to be the center of this, not me. In my time of need, I will not wallow in despair, but I will look to God to revive me. It says, quicken me to revive with a fullness of life in his favour. Why? For God's name's sake. Not for me. Don't bring this out of me for me, God. Don't, don't. Remove this trouble. Don't bring me through this problem. Don't bring me through this situation for my sake, but for your sake. Because it glorifies you. Because your name is lifted higher. My third point this morning, my hope in times of trouble comes not from focusing harder on resolving my trouble, but comes from focusing on the work of God. My hope in times of trouble comes not from focusing harder on resolving my problem, but comes from focusing on the work of God. Turn to Psalm 77. This will be our last psalm that we go to this morning and our last point. Psalm 77. Look at verses 11 and 12 there together. Psalm 77, verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Again, in a time of trouble in his life, we can see David's perspective leads him to hope, not despair. His perspective, his view of God and how God's working leads him to hope, not despair. Verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord, and surely I will remember thy wonders of old. In my time of need, I will remind myself of what God has done. I will preach the gospel to myself. In my time of need, I will remind myself of what God has done and I will preach the gospel to myself. Often in trouble, in hardship, in moments of difficulty, in moments of difficulty, we get, just like that climber on the wall, when he started to fatigue, our vision comes in our perspective changes, we get a bit myopic, we lose sight of the next handhold. We can't see anything apart from the issue that we are in. As Peter would say, we become short-sighted. When Peter writes to the believers in Second in Peter, he challenges them with this. In in Second Peter chapter one, verse four, stay in Psalms, I'll read this. Second Peter chapter one, verse four, he says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make it that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 9, this is where I want you to listen. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. When I lose sight of what God has done, when I lose focus, When my focus is on me and on my situation and on my problem and on my hardship, my perspective leads me to despair. To discouragement. But when I preach the gospel to myself, when I focus on God and His grace in my life, when I am adding to my faith, When I am trusting God despite the circumstances. When I'm remembering the work that He has already done, it leads me to hope. Look back at Psalm 77, verse 12, with me. It says, I will meditate also of all thy work. The war is waged in your mind. That's where the battle is. The battle is in your mind. Whatever it is that captures your thoughts, whatever it is that you dwell on in your thinking, impacts the way that you live. It impacts where your heart goes. In my time of need, I'll separate myself and I'll focus on what God has done separate myself, and I'll focus on what God has done. I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to dwell on God's word. From a practical standpoint, what I can do physically, I separate myself. Go and find a place where you can just sit and think about the mighty work of God. The danger here, the challenge here, is that we like to think about ourselves. Often when we are by ourselves and there is trouble and there is a problem, there is something happening, when we separate ourselves, it's still about that problem. It's just that nobody else is speaking into it. And I'm here by myself and I wanna spend that time with God, but that problem continues to cycle through my mind. In order to move and to change my perspective and to change my thinking, I need to separate myself, but I need to be deliberate in what I'm thinking about. I need to be deliberate in thinking about God, in focusing on God, I'm focusing on what God has already done. The danger is that we don't do that. The danger is that we're like a washing machine and we just keep turning that problem over and it doesn't matter whether I'm by myself or whether I'm with other believers or or whether I'm at my workplace or where I am. I just keep turning it over in my head over and over and again. And if I'm not able to separate myself and go, hey God, I'm struggling with this but I want to just focus on you and on your goodness and on what you've already done in my life and I don't want to think about that right now. God, I just want to focus on you. I just want to glorify you for a moment. I just want to praise you for a moment. I just want to worship you for who you are for a moment. God, I need you to lift up my soul, and the greatest way that I can do that is by glorifying you. Maybe, like David, we need to sing to ourselves. My hope is built on nothing less and Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We have a choice, don't we? We can sit and wallow in the mud and the despair of our situation, and we can try and change that and turn that and manipulate that mud to look like something different, but it's always going to be mud. We can sit and wallow in that. Or we can trust that God is at work. And we can meditate on His Word and what God has already done. Have a look at the last part of verse 12 there in Psalm 77 with me. He says, and talk of thy doings. And talk of thy doings. In my time of need, I will speak of what God has done and continues to do. Often the easiest thing when I'm struggling is to want to talk to someone about me. Look at me. Look at what I'm going through. Look at how hard I'm working to get through this. Look at the battle that I'm facing. Look at what I look like when I'm doing this. Look at my life. even when it's impacting so many others, so often we make it about us. Somehow, whatever this situation is, is impacting me more than anyone else, and it becomes about me. What David says here is pretty simple, but it's so practical. You see, when I talk about God and what God is doing even in this event in my life, I have to first consider that. Yeah? I can't talk about what God's doing if I'm not thinking about what God's doing first. So I've got to consider that. I've got to think about it. I've got to separate like we talked about. I've got to separate and I've got to think about it. What is God doing here? What's He doing in my life? How is He growing me? What am I learning? And then we want to talk about I have to change my mindset. When we look for and then speak of God, being in those minute details, it leads us to hope. Changes our perspective. Just like singing about the power and the grace of God, talking to others about the work of God leads us to hope. So where does that leave us this morning? We've looked at three different verses, three different passages written in times of trouble. What is it that you can take home and digest and add to your life that will lead to hope? Because that's where we want to go. We don't want to sit in despair. We want to go to hope. We want to go to encouragement. We want to get out of that pit and we want to go to where we're glorifying God with our lives again. My first point this morning was my hope in times of trouble comes not from my own abilities, but from recognizing and proclaiming the power of God and the grace of God. That's the first thing I need to recognize this morning. It can't be about me and my power. It's got to be about God and God's power. Sing about the power of God. Start your day off on the right foot. Start it off by praising God, by spending time in His Word. The second thing we saw this morning is my hope in times of trouble comes not from mine own will. It doesn't come from my desires and my direction, but from following the will of God. Look to God for His will in times of trouble. What is God teaching me in this? Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4, two of my favorite verses. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Get out of the pit and look to God. The last thing that we read this morning or looked at this morning, my hope in times of trouble comes not from focusing harder on resolving my trouble. It comes from focusing on the work of God. Preach the gospel to yourself. Look for those points of learning that God is placing into your life. Look at what he's already done. Separate yourself and commit time to focusing on the work of God. Meditate on his word. Marinate, saturate, Sit in it. I'm not talking about a a sticky note on your computer screen that's got a verse that's been there for 15 years. I'm not talking about a sticky note that's on your dashboard or your car that's your favourite verse. I'm not talking about those text messages that come through on your phone. Those are great. I love those. I've got those. I don't have the sticky note. Because it fell off. But I have those verses that come through to, to, on my phone and I read those verses. And those verses are great. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about getting alone and saturating and spending time in God's Word and being deliberate about it. Looking for the learning in it. Last thing we saw this morning is talk about God. If you want to get out of that situation of despair... Talk about God. Talk about what God's doing. Talk about God impacting your life. Look for what God's doing in other people's lives. But talk about God. Don't talk about you. Don't talk about me and my problem. I want to talk about God. Well, there you have it. That's the ramblings of a madman over the last five months. I hope that there's something there that you can take away and apply and add to your life. But let's pray and let's close up this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, there's nothing that catches you by surprise. There's no situation in our lives as believers where you're caught off guard and and you're somehow scrambling in the background to to fix the situation, to, to get the lights turned back on. There's nothing that catches you off guard. And God, despite the circumstances of my life, your plan doesn't change for me. So, Father, teach us to look to you in our times of trouble. Father, teach us to sing praises to you in our times of trouble. Father, teach us not to lean on our own understanding, on our own knowledge, on our own experience, but teach us to lean on you. Father, teach us to separate. And Father, in the quietness of that separation, to just glorify you. Sing praises to you. To worship you. Because Father, you deserve all the glory. You deserve all the honor all the praise. And Father, I am so quick to want to steal that. I'm so quick to want to say, Father, look at me, look at me, look at this situation. Father, teach us to just worship you. Father, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that we have together. Thank you for your word and for how practical it can be for our lives. Father, we love you in your name. Amen.